Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, we have a special guest speaker, Pastor Mia Shin, who is preaching a sermon from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, titled, What Did I Say? Or is it, What Did I Say? Uh, Jesus invites us to build authentic connections, prioritizing real relationships over superficial ones. This involves intentional effort, empathy, and reliance on the Holy Spirit. Fulfilling his call to make disciples means embodying humility, stepping into others' shoes, and embracing discomfort. Teaching the word with love echoes the uniqueness that drew the disciples to Jesus, inspiring others to join this transformative journey. The disciples hung with Jesus because he was different, and they wanted to be a part of it. Let's be like him. I'm so grateful when I get a chance to go on a break <laughs> and to have people like Mia and like Kurt and like others who preach. And I just want you to know that uh, as I've gotten to know Mia, holy wow, this is a woman who loves Jesus. And I'm just so grateful that she gets to speak today. And so can we just pray for Mia real quick? Yes. Lord Jesus, bless Mia. Thank you for her word. Thank you for uh, her calling to preach the gospel. Bless her, Lord Jesus, as she preaches and open our ears and hearts to what you would have us to say through your servant. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that prayer. <clears throat> Good morning. <laughs> Good to be back sharing the word with you. We've been going through Ephesians, but we're taking a break today. And I know all of you guys are like, that's a lot of Ephesians. <laughs> Just kidding. You were like, no, we really want Ephesians. Uh, so we interrupt our regularly scheduled programming for an important word from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, the title to this message is a little spicy. What did I say? It really depends on how you say these words. What did I say? Maybe you guys could start guessing what I mean when I use this tone, what did I say? Or, what did I say? <laughs> or, what did I say? <laughs> or, what did I say? <laughs> you, see, you feel the difference? There's a lot of these sayings that parents say. Some common saying, didn't I say? Or, I told you, or I told you not to. Or. Do you remember how I told you? And you probably have a popular saying in your household. <laughs> or, you never listen. Or, is anybody home? <laughs> or, Peter Garrett Smith, get your... <laughs> or my favorite, <laughs> boys. That's it. Uh, I have a friend who says, uh, he, he, she, or he, my, the parents, remind their teenage kids, blah, 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 do this, whatever. I know, is the response of the teen. I know. And then the, the husband says, no, you don't know. Because <laughs> if you knew, you would do what we said, but you're not, so you don't know. And my favorite is, I will never forget this, my, my friend, she was growing up, and she wasn't listening to her mom very well. And after a while, her mom would just stare at her and say, you like to suffer. 
that's just, that's just my conclusion. Um, these are the things that parents say when they need their child to listen and act on what is being said. Now, Jesus said and exemplified some things. And I'm not saying Jesus would say, what did I say? <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe he might say, what did I say? So we're going to listen to what he said. Because we know what he said. <laughs> he said it many times. We've read it many times. We heard it many times. Some things we've heard, such as the two greatest commandments. We, if you've been going to church, you know what those are. It's to love God and... Yeah, love God, love others. And we try to do those as followers. But what else did he say? What else did he say? Many things, but among them, one thing that I want to share with you today. Before we do that, though, I am a fan of imagining or placing yourself in the shoes of somebody who lived during that time. It's a powerful thing. So I want you to close your eyes. And this is, this is going to be a little long, but that's okay. You can't leave or I'll know you. But, okay. <laughs> So close your eyes, and I want you to imagine yourself. Place yourself in the time period of the disciples. You're minding your own business, going about your day. You start hearing rumors of a spectacular man, one who teaches the word of God and performs miracles. And he shows up one day and simply says, follow me. So you follow him. Or maybe you've been suffering with seven demons torturing your soul for a long time. He knows and seeks you out and he heals you. So you follow him and no one even has to tell you to do that. Or maybe you or your daughter has been healed and your joy and gratitude is so overflowing that you start to follow him. You're literally following this miracle worker around wherever he goes. This person you are following is Jesus. You are now a follower of Jesus. You left everything to follow Jesus. In your mind, do you have an idea of what kind of leader he might be? So you think to yourself, well, maybe he'll provide sustenance for me perpetually. Maybe he's going to be the perfect political leader overthrowing the corrupt government. Maybe he's just going to uh, put, put on a miracle show. Or maybe you're just curious. Or maybe you're just all in because you've seen enough and that's enough for you. In any case, you leave what was your former life and follow Jesus for three years and you put your hope in him. But then he starts talking about weird things like how the temple needs to be torn down and, and in three days built back up again or how you have to drink his blood and eat his flesh or how the son of man must die and be raised on the third day. And you start thinking, okay, Jesus, okay. What's going on? I thought you were going to save us, but you're going to die? You know, death is permanent. It's a common sense, natural to human existence thing. It's a thing. This isn't what I signed up for. What am I going to do? I invested all this time into this guy, and now he's turning weird on me. Jesus, though he did nothing wrong, stay with me, is then crucified, tortured, the weight of his body nailed to a cross, hanging until his death. And with his last breath, he says, it is finished. He was finished, making God known and atoning for sins once for all. 
And what he came to accomplish, he accomplished. The sacrifice was foretold by prophets such as Isaiah, but you don't remember that through all this commotion. All you know is that the person you hoped and died. Sacrifices were what was required to atone for sins in the presence of a holy God. And through, though imperfect animals had been sacrificed in the Old Testament days for temporary atonement, you didn't realize Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God who was sacrificed for the permanent atonement of the world. He died, and then he was buried in a tomb. Persecution was high for many of the followers of Jesus, so you're hiding. If you picture yourself as Mary Magdalene or Mary the mother of Jesus, you brave yourself and you go to the tomb. Some of you, however, are hiding out, wondering what's next, afraid you'll be the next to be crucified. But when Mary arrives, he's not in the tomb. You get the news. Jesus rose from the dead just as the prophets and Jesus himself foretold. So that's what he was talking about with all that confusing talk. His resurrection was proof that he was the son of God. Well, this is a twist. What he foretold actually happened. Imagine that. And now what? He shows up and gives you some final instructions after all those years, after the crucifixion, his death, his resurrection, he says something to you. Let's open our eyes and read this together. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Can we just acknowledge right now that this word has been passed down for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and that these are the actual words of Jesus translated for us originally in Koine Greek and now in English and we can understand. Can we approach this text with some reverence that this is actually the words of Jesus? So what did he say? Or what did I say? (laughs) Let's take a closer look at this statement. Why? Because he said it. And because you pay very close attention to the last words of somebody before they leave. And these are words he spoke before he ascended back into heaven. And I'm not saying they were the very, 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 very last words he said. I mean, after he said this, he might have said, let's go, or some other (laughs) statement. So, but you get my point, the last words. This is the culminating statement that we hear from Jesus at the end of 28 chapters of the account that Matthew wrote about him, and this is how it ends. This very command. So let's take a look at this. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven on earth and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. You know, he prayed in the last few chapters, uh, several chapters in the book of John. Go read them. They're so good. 14, 15, 16, 17. 
He said, I don't do anything on my own accord. I do uh, what the Father gives me authority to do. Jesus prayed this. And so he's saying here, all authority has been given to me here, in heaven, everywhere. Now you, so all Father has given authority to Jesus. Now Jesus is giving us the authority and saying, therefore, Therefore, he's now giving us the authority, the power and the permission to do what? The next slide. Make disciples. Okay, I'm going to try this. The, the word is matheteusate, okay? From the word matheteuo. That doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> but it's a command. It's an imperative. This is actually the main verb, make pupils or apprentices or disciples. It, it's not uh, philosophers, go and make philosophers, people who just sit around all day and think about things. No, go and make pupils, apprentices, learners, disciples. There's, there's a difference between thinking about welding reading about welding, watching someone welding, and then actually welding, right? Go, go and make apprentices, pupils, experiential learners, make disciples of who? Next slide, Jesus says, of all the nations. He said, Peter, go and get a plane ticket right now and go far, far away. No, he didn't. If you remember in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on men and women, some of them started speaking in other languages. And the people were like, wait a minute, how are they speaking my language from where, where, from, where I'm from? That implies that there were all nations, there were different kinds of nations all around them. It wasn't just go there to that other place, all different kinds of nations everywhere. The nations were right there. All kinds of, all the nations. Everyone and anyone. Everyone and anyone and anyone and everyone. Okay? I'm not saying modern day uh, missions is a bad thing because there, there, there are ways and avenues God has given us and blessed us to be able to do those things. But you'll see what Jesus meant. I'm going to go back a little bit. To the, to the beginning of that line. The next slide, we go. Go is not the go that we know. <laughs> it is not the go that we know, but it is as you go. This is the next Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> go, okay, stay with me. Go is not the go that we know. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys are so good. Okay, it's as you go. Say it with me. As you go. This go is a passive participle. It's as you go. It's not destination related. To me, the importance of this word is not destination. It's not a destination. It's, it's the movement toward doing what God has commanded. As you go. It's not static. In other words, it's a constant movement. So Jesus is saying, I now give you authority as you go to make 
pupils and apprentices of all nations, everyone and anyone around you, then what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know that word means to, to immerse or be whelmed, saturated in the name of God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This does not mean simply, uh, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My aunt took me to Catholic Church when I was younger, so that's how I know how to do this properly. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This does not mean simply doing this or saying in the name of Jesus. This physical motion can be a reminder of what is important of the triune God. And I'm not downplaying the importance of what this means. It is mostly meaning the baptism, immersion in the water in this account of Matthew. Even Jesus was baptized to be an example for us for what we should do. But this word, the name, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father. That word name actually means character. When people's names were changed, their core was changed. Peter's name was changed. Paul was Saul before. Abraham was Abram. Sarai, or Sarah was Sarai. So when it says in the name, it's the nature and character of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 7, there's this story where uh, some of the people say, oh, Jesus, we, we drove out demons in your name. We did this thing in your name. We did that thing in your name. And Jesus says, I don't, I don't know you. So we know from that, the importance is not this thing just saying in the name of Jesus. It's doing it in his character. It's actually knowing Christ and then acting on that. Being saturated yourself and then saturating others because you're just oozing Christ from your life. <laughs> Baptizing them in the name the character, the nature. So I now give you authority as you go to make learners, apprentices, disciples, pupils of all nations, everybody, anybody, anybody, everybody, in the name. Go baptize them. Yes, dunk them in the water. That is their declaration of I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. Do that. But also, saturate them in the character and the name and the presence of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. By the way, you can't saturate someone with the presence of God if you don't have the presence of God. Somebody said it. Somebody said it. Then what? Teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. All that I have commanded you. Teach means teach. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> teach means teach. 
There's no da, 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 you know, Greek word I'm going to spell. Teach means teach. We know what that means. It means teach. Teach them what Jesus said and did for you to follow all that I command. And this is the part. You know, there's love God, love others, and then somehow we've forgotten these very last words in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus said before he ascended. Teach. And you don't have to have, you know, the gift of teaching and have a teacher's credential or get an MDiv or Matheteusate and know what that means. You teach what you know, what you've learned. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything. You know what the Samaritan woman said at the well? So she's talking with Jesus. Jesus specifically went to to go visit the Samaritan woman, and she's like, oh my gosh, this guy knows all my secrets. I think this is the Messiah. She drops everything. She goes into the city, and she says, hey, guys, to the whole city. She she didn't even say, she didn't have an MDiv. She didn't have, you know. She says, guys, uh, come meet this man. I I think he, he knows everything I ever did, and the, everyone's like, the whole town knows everything you ever did. But, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so that kind of doesn't make sense to me. But he knows everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She didn't even say, this is the Messiah. She said, could this be the Messiah? Right? She just said what she knew, which was, could this be the Messiah? She said that the whole town comes to Jesus and hears for themselves the direct word of Jesus and says, Now we believe he's the Messiah. She taught. She taught what what she knew, and she didn't know much, but she taught it. And the whole town was saved. Or the blind man, when he was being interrogated after being healed, first of all, let's celebrate him, but no. You know, religious (laughs) leaders are like, but it was on the Sabbath, and who was it that did it? Isn't that like us? We are the religious leaders. Let's, ooh. But... He said, whoa, 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 whoa. One one thing I know, I only know one thing. I was blind, but now I see. So you don't have to know much to be teaching those around you, all nations, anybody, everybody, about Christ. What you have experienced of God, what you have heard of God, the word that you have learned, teach that. And teaching implies being prepared. Yes, like memorizing. Remember we memorized Romans 8. Memorizing and, you know, all that praying and all that. But then there is this, you know, there's this um, part where you have to, like, say it. (laughs) You have to speak it. You have to, you know, use words. I'm not saying that I'm great at this. And therefore, you should be like me. Far from it. Back in uh, 2014, our family... um, received training to become a foster family for the county, and we had to go through several training sessions. Most people at the sessions were relatives. The training sessions were relatives of the children who needed the care. 
um, you know, uncles and aunts and grandparents. And I remember in a room full of people being trained, there were these two grandparents. They were overwhelmed. The grandma was like, I, twins. I put one in the bathtub, <laughs> somebody must have twins. I put, <laughs> I put one in the bathtub and washed them and then when I get the other one, that one runs away and, you know, and she's telling the story of how she's overwhelmed. She can't see how they can do it. I don't see hope in, in sight. I feel hopeless and I'm tired and over, overwhelmed. And you know, for me, when the Holy Spirit wants to do a work, I start welling up inside. That's the pattern I've noticed. I start welling up inside. My temperature changes a few degrees. I can tell I'm getting hot. And if I don't say something, I feel nauseous. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta say this thing. I know God wants me to say this thing. <laughs> and I wanted to yell from the top of, top of my lungs. I wanted to say, God is your hope. Jesus is, Jesus is the hope that you're looking for. I know you're tired, but what you're doing is wonderful and those kids need you, but you don't have to do it by yourself. You can ask God for help and he'll be there with you. And I wanted to say that. There was this great big empty space after these grandparents expressed their hopelessness. And I didn't say it. I still think about that to this day. They needed the hope that only Jesus could give them, and I needed to teach them. And I knew the Holy Spirit was prompting me to teach them. So you'll have moments of failure like this, but we have to remember this is what, this is what he said for us to do, teach them. But there were also other moments where I did listen. There was um, a rally that I helped put on for Asian American community because of the rise in hate we were experiencing because of COVID and still are experiencing. And I spoke about Jesus at that rally. There were 300 people, community members there. All kinds of people, all kinds of people, leaders, Black Lives Matter people, community people, children, Angle community allies, everyone was there. And, you, and I read Isaiah 53. You know that passage? It's all about Jesus. Isaiah 53 is all about Jesus. And I taught about how Jesus himself was a person of color. He was ugly. He was despised. He was rejected. He suffered. And he was punished even though he did nothing wrong and killed for our sins. Do you think they could relate with someone like this? That's what the Holy Spirit led me to teach, and I did it in a respectful, loving way to let people know that Jesus himself was marginalized, and he came for the marginalized. So then there's moments like that. But you have to speak. You have to teach. So Jesus said, teach People, all that I commanded you. Now, now let's read this last part, the culminating statement. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
don't worry, I'll be with you. And it wasn't, I will be with you. That tense is I am, it's a present tense. It's like right now, even right now. Even right now as I'm talking here, even right now as you're sitting, I am with you always. We have the spirit of God with us. If we're followers, we always have the spirit with us. So don't worry. So he's saying, I now give you the authority. Culminating words of Jesus, end of Matthew, 28 chapters, and here's what he's saying. I now give you the authority as you go along to create apprentices and pupils of all kinds of people, all nations, saturating them, dunk them too, saturating them in the in the character and the name of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Son, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. And don't worry, I'm gonna be with you. I am with you to the very end. I am with you. Maybe you are an unschooled, ordinary man like Peter. Maybe you're like Matthew, a tax collector, who's good with money. Maybe he had a lot of money. Maybe you have a lot of money. Maybe you're like Mary Magdalene, who was healed, deep healing. You are a follower of Jesus. It doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. It matters that you do what he said. Teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. Well, he commanded us, to make disciples. Matt, are you here? Matt Bargo? Can you come up for um, some music? Because we're gonna read this together again, all of us, and I'm gonna give you a few minutes to reflect on this. And in our hyper-scrolling world, where everything is less than a minute or 10 seconds, and we're like, that's interesting, that's interesting, that's interesting. I'm going to give you three whole minutes. Some of you are going to be uncomfortable with this. But he is with us now. And we're going to leave that verse up on the screen after we say it together. And I want you to... See what the Spirit, who is with you now, is telling you about this verse. What is he convicting you about that? So let's read this together again. Go. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What do you sense the Holy Spirit is speaking to you now? I'm going to keep an eye on the time and give you three minutes to reflect and hear from God directly.
might want to consider people God is putting on your heart right now. People you've had nudges about, maybe who work with you, who you see on a regular basis. Maybe family members who God is prompting you to speak with. Maybe you're the kind of person who God made an extrovert and can um, have conversations with people on the fly. And you know that, that you're called to speak and to teach. Um, maybe you know God is wanting to take you to another um, st- step of of faith where where you're to teach more people. Uh, maybe you have credentialing. Whatever it is that God might be nudging, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Lord, we come to you today as your followers. We are the followers of Jesus Christ. And you call us to go, to go along, to go along. You've given us authority, power, permission to go along as we go, to make apprentices and pupils and other followers of you to whoever you bring to our path, not limiting anyone that you've brought to our path, teaching them, baptizing them in the presence and in the name, the character, the nature of who you are, how great you are and what you have done for us and teaching them, using our words, even when we don't know what to say, that your Holy Spirit will guide us and even give us the words to say because it's in our heart. And you will be with us. You are with us to the end of the age. Help us to remember these very last words of yours and to do what you say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys can stand together with me, and we're going to say this prayer together. And try not to think about syncing with your neighbor. How is my voice? How is my hair? None of that. (laughs) Try to mean what you say when you say this prayer. Our prayer for Coastal Community. Ready? Go. Jesus, after you accomplished the work you came to do, you gave us a command. We now have the authority as we go along to make apprentices of all kinds of people saturating them with the character of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we share and teach your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives in us, nudges us, and empowers us to accomplish this mission. 
Guide us in 2024 to do what you said to do. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to go to Table Talk across the street to share what you learned and heard today and continue to seek what the Holy Spirit might be saying for you specifically as you try to follow this command. Have a wonderful Sunday. Pastor Mia Shin is a speaker, author, and songwriter. Her 20 years of ministry include preaching, teaching, and mentoring in the Asian American and multi-ethnic church contexts, as well as in public high school and college settings. Visit www.miashin.org to follow Mia or learn more about her ministry. You can also join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org.